0: you represent the leaders of this planet well i am pretty popular but surrender your planet to the kree empire and you may live whoa whoa let's slow down here who are you again
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Elgum the Podcast. I'm Abdullah and to celebrate 150 episodes, I have brought with me a special guest today, one of my favorite character actors from the screen and uh, voiceover world, Keith Sarabakada. Sarabaika. Sarabaika, sorry.
0: <laughs> if you want to be Polish, it'd be Shadowbika.
1: <laughs> sorry, it's a, it's a tough name to pronounce, but, uh, you know, you might know him as Daniel Holtzman, Angel. And a bunch of other credits that are too long to go through, but, but include Laserbeak from Transformers, Mr. Freeze from Young Justice, Venom from Spider-Man Web of Shadows, Ronin from Avengers, uh, Earth's Mightiest Heroes, and I forgot the name of your Star Wars character.
0: Uh, Cicatra Visago. Cicatro yeah. Cicatro Visago. at your service.
1: Cicatro Visago. And, uh, my first question is, you've been a part of a lot of, in uh, a lot of franchises, but are, are, are there any franchises you haven't, you want to be a part of?
0: Yeah, I'd like to be a part of every franchise that there is, you know, <laughs> but unfortunately it doesn't always work out that way. And you can't really pick them, you know, it's like, uh, they kind of pick you. You audition for them and they, they hire you. So, or they don't, you know, so that's kind of the way show business works. Unless you're a big bankable star, then, then sometimes you can hire them, you know, but I'm not that. I'm just a working actor.
1: So how did the whole acting thing start for you?
0: Uh, My mother put me in tap shoes when I was four, and I had to dance with my cousin Joyce at the Bedford Park Community Center and sing and tap dance, too. I've been working on the railroad. I don't think I've ever lived it down since then. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Got to dance. Well, everyone's got to start small, I guess.
0: (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. and. and I started in the in the theater, you know, right. uh, professionally. I was uh, hired by the Organic Theater uh, Company of Chicago. Um, I actually happened to be home. I was nineteen, and I was home from my first semester of uh, of college, and I was. You know, I was working I, – I, I had a theater scholarship to a place, uh, Trinity University in San Antonio, Texas, where a man named Paul Baker ran the theater department. He also ran the Dallas Theater Center, and, uh, and he had a great theater department. And he had the greatest class I've ever taken, which is called Integration of Abilities. And um, we weren't allowed to act as freshmen, but uh, what we did is that we – there was – for a couple of weeks, we did movement. We did sound uh, you know, then combining sound and movement. Uh, then we had to do things like, uh, compose a piece of music. Uh, we had to, um, we had to make a sculpture. We had to paint a painting. We had to write poetry. Uh, and then it all culminated in, uh, we had to write a, uh, a short story and a, and then we had to write a, uh, uh, a one act play, which, uh, Uh, the the playwriting instructor and it loved and he gave to the senior directing class uh, but they couldn't figure out how to do it because it had parts for um, uh, 11 12 year old boys and two nuns (laughs) so it was a little difficult to um, to uh, to cast in college Um, but anyways uh, and then I, I was home from the summer and I was working at a job I'd had uh, during high school in the summer, uh, working for a friend of mine's father, doing uh, construction materials analysis, and I was a field and lab technician, and I had my own company car. And uh, one night, one Sunday night, uh, my sister and one of my high school drama teachers, uh, John Marquette, who's since passed away, and uh, a friend of mine, uh, we went to see uh, – Uh, a man uh, not a man for all seasons um death of a salesman at arlington park theater uh which is out in the suburbs of chicago where i lived and um jack warden was playing uh willie loman and i was so moved by this performance that i dropped everybody off and drove down to this theater company this area of theaters um in chicago on lincoln avenue in the 22 to 2400 blocks of lincoln avenue um in chicago and uh I parked my car and I got out it was around 8:39 o'clock uh, and I suddenly it was like I'd been called in a, in a, you know in a dream or something and I suddenly woke up as if I were out of a dream and I go oh my god what am I doing here and I just sort leaned against the the light pole post in front of the theater and started banging my head against it going I've got to stop smoking pot I just have got to stop doing this and um Suddenly, I felt this little tap on my shoulder, and I turn around and I didn't see it. And it was this small man, and he goes, "Are you okay?" And I go, um, uh, "Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine." He says, Uh "Well, can I help you?" And and, and I go, um, "I don't know, you know." And he goes, uh, "Are you looking for someone?" And I go, um, uh, "Yeah." And he goes, uh, well who? And I go, um I don't know. And he goes, uh, Stuart Gordon, who is the artistic director of, uh, of the Organic Theater and, uh, had directed this particular play and directed all their plays. And, uh, and I go, I don't know him. And he goes, Lenny Kleinfeld. And I go, uh, I don't know him either. He'd written Warp. Uh, and he goes, uh, He looks at me strangely and goes, Zazu Pitts? And I go, that's the one, take me in to see her. So he brought me into this sort of anteroom, which was covered with multicolored pieces of rug on the ceiling, floor, and walls. And he turns to me and he goes, "I want you to know that Zazu Pitts isn't here." And I go, "I figured that." And he goes, uh, "My name's Bill Norris. What's yours?" And I say, uh, "Keith Sarabite." And he goes, "I'll just call you Keith." And I go, uh, "Okay." And he goes, "Well, why are you here?" And I go, "Well, you know, I'm home from the summer, you know, uh, you know, from college, and uh, I'd like to, um you know, get involved. I saw a play here, you know." a last year when i was still in, in 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 high school and i just loved it and uh i go yeah um and he goes uh he's looking at me and i was i was actually in in very good shape then i had long blonde hair i was tan i was running you know four miles a day i was swimming a thousand yards a day you know um, sometimes a mile you know and uh so i was in pretty good shape and i was also working in construction so i was out in the sun so i looked pretty good and uh and he goes he goes uh have you ever acted? And I go, oh yeah, 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 a lot. I, I, you know, I, I worked in, uh, 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 you know, in high school, I did a lot of plays. I, I won best actor and, you know, in, in my junior and senior years at my high school and, and I won the senior dramatics award. And he, and he goes, oh, really? And I go, yeah. And I, and I also acted, I acted in college when I was there because we were doing productions that were sort of, uh, uh, clandestine productions, uh, when I was there because fresh, um, uh, and, uh, and he goes, and I go, oh, and I've worked in community theater too, you know, and he goes, really? I go, yeah. And he goes, I, do you know what play we're doing now? And I go, um, I, I think it's called Wrapped or something like that. He goes, it's called War. I go, okay. And he says, and it's a science fiction thing. And I said, oh yeah, a couple of friends of mine saw it and they told me all about it. They said, it was great. There was this like goofy little guy who looked like, uh, Woody Allen running around saving the universe. And he goes, oh, that was me. He said, I had to step in for the guy who was Lord Cumulus, you know, and he, cause he got injured. Uh, and, uh, and he says, I have someone I want you to meet. And so I go, okay. And so he goes to the, to the other side of the, ante, this ante room, the carpet, the rug room, and he knocks on the green room door, and the door opens, and this big, huge cloud of marijuana smoke comes out, and Stuart Gordon, I didn't know it was him then, but he came out, and he was this, sort of looked like Jerry Garcia with, when Jerry was young, he had, you know, big, big, a big sort of afro type thing, and, uh, and, and, and little glasses and a beard, and he's looking at me, and he looks at Norris, and he goes like, why are you bringing your, your tricks in to meet me, you know? And, um, and, 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 Bill goes, uh, Stuart Gordon, I'd like you to meet Keith. I can't pronounce his last name. Uh, Keith would like to audition for the role of Lord Cumulus in Warp. And so Stuart looks me up and down and he goes, far out. Come back tomorrow night with a prepared take two minute Shakespearean reading. And he walks away. Oh, and he turns around and he goes, oh, and make it something militant. So needless to say, I, I ended up getting hired. I replaced well, I I, I was hired to replace John Hurd, H E A R D who one of became one of my closest friends, and um he he just passed away like two years ago and um but John decided when, when they hired me that he wasn't going to leave anymore because the play was going to Broadway. So I was hired on as the understudy and sort of the company stuntman. And I was at the organic for six years on and off, you know, after that, uh, doing many things, you know, and uh, uh, warp failed on Broadway. But it was a glorious failure and something that would, I would never, ever forget, you know, uh, being 19, turning 20, going on to Broadway. Uh, and it was it was quite an experience. And the organic, they've started to become my extended family, you know, in the 47 years subsequent.
1: And how did uh, the, the whole voiceover thing come about? Uh,
0: you know, it just, it's sort of a natural thing when you're in, in the theater and you're working and you have an agent, they start asking you to do stuff, you know, and so I was and, uh, and I did. Uh, but it really got started when I was, um, I lived on the Upper West Side in a building at 92nd and Riverside. And uh, in that building were the artistic directors for this place called Symphony Space in New York, uh, where they did a lot of music, and then they did theater, and they had movies. And um, uh, they had seen me uh, do stuff, and they knew me, you know. But they finally, one day, they asked me to come and do um, – uh, they did a thing called Selected Shorts. It was on uh, WNYC and on NPR for – for, I did it for 28 years, um, um, and it was where you would read short stories in front of a live audience, and, um, this was like in February of 1986 or 87, and I remember going from my apartment, which was it was about three blocks from Symphony Space, and it was very rainy. I went for a sound check, and we did the sound check and a little tiny rehearsal. And you know, I think I was thinking nothing of it, and it, it's a pretty good sized auditorium, about a thousand people, you know, could be uh, could fit in it. But I figured oh, it can be a hundred people at most, if that, you know, because I'm reading short stories, you know, but. um, I go back home, I have a little dinner, I come back at 7.30, 7.45, and people are literally hanging from the rafters it was just packed and it was a glorious experience to be uh, to make a long story short and from that i you know started getting a lot of voiceover work because it turns out that a lot of uh, you know creative directors and 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 what have you uh, from uh, you know the different art 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 the advertising agencies around the country and just different casting directors and stuff would come and see this and uh, and i did it regularly for, as I said, on and off for 28 years. Um, and thanks to Isaiah Sheffer, who's passed away now, who was the artistic director for both Symphony Space and, uh, and uh, selected shorts, produced selected shorts. So that's how I got, got into doing voiceovers.
1: And was it easy transitioning from doing on-camera stuff to voiceover?
0: Way easier. It's just so much easier to do it because you have the script in front of you and you can just kind of go with it. You know, it's it's, it's fun. You don't have to wear makeup.
1: <laughs> um, speaking of makeup, How you were...
0: share makeup jobs. Yeah, you know?
1: yeah. Speaking of makeup, you were in a Stephen King miniseries that required a lot of makeup stuff. How was that experience for you? Hello. Hello. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um. you for a minute there. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and 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 then you just you know did you is it still kind of harrowing like going back and forth between like on camera stuff and, and voiceover now that you.
0: Not harrowing at all. Not really. It's not harrowing. Yeah. No, not even, not the slightest. You know, uh, it's, uh, you know the toughest thing to do i mean if, if outside of doing you know like a major stunt with you know thousands of people around you i <laughs> I once had to do a cavalry charge in this miniseries, and that was the scariest thing i'd ever I ever did It was uh I had to lead a company of re uh, reenactors to, and charge eight camera crews across this gopher hole strewn plane it was <laughs> It was pretty wild I can tell you, luckily, no one got hurt, you know, but it was uh, it was intense. Um, but you know doing this it's it's fun you know um uh, you know i i just had a, an audiobook session today you know working on an audiobook series um the detective series and uh, it's just fun it's it's not for everyone you know doing audiobooks for instance cuz you're you're basically cooped up in a uh, in a small booth you know for 6 hours but uh you, know, you do get breaks every couple hours but it's not for everybody you know but i enjoy doing it Uh, and I enjoy doing video games. Video games are really fun. You know, I like doing cartoons. I like being on stage. I love doing movies. I love doing TV shows. You know, I like producing theater. I like directing it. You know, I I love it when something I've written, uh, comes to life, you know? So yeah, it's, it's not harrowing. The most harrowing things are, like I said, dangerous stunts, you know, and, uh, you know, things when there's like a special effect involved, you know, and you only get one take to do it. Uh, that's, that's a little harrowing, but, um, you don't want to screw up. And, and doing live theater is, is, it's, it's harrowing. And, you know, nothing really compares to doing live theater, I found in terms of, uh, how nervous I get. Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, you know, how was the, cause, uh, cause one of your most famous roles is, um, can't remember the character's name, but L.A. Noir. I don't remember his name, but he was there.
0: Herschel Biggs.
1: Yeah, Herschel Biggs. And I was looking up some behind-the-scenes stuff about about that game, and and the mocap stuff, uh, the the facial capture stuff sounds kind yes, of
0: It's So contouring, they call yeah, it. You know?
1: Yeah, contouring. Uh, and, how was how that experience for you working
0: on um, It was a good. I really liked the Team Bondi people. I don't remember their names now. It's been a while since they did it, but they were they were great um i loved working with them i thought they were very creative um and the facial contouring thing was like you're in a room you know about the size of someone's bedroom you know and it's very air conditioned it's kind of cold because they have 56 cameras in it and you sit in what's essentially a barber chair and they they cloak you with a, a an orange sort of apron uh that just reveals you know from the neck up and um and then you have to do all the lines and while they do have a monitor in which you can see it um you can't read it off the monitor because you have to look at different spots while you're working so uh when we would do sometimes 70 and 80 pages a day so uh, except for the small quick lines you'd have to have your large speeches memorized and there are, I had a lot of them as I was the uh, I believe I'm the narrator for LA Noir you know, so there was a, it was a lot of work, but it was, I enjoyed it. I, I think I worked like 21 days or something on it, but it was really, it was really a, a good experience. And I thought it looked pretty cool, you know, when we were finally finished. My favorite sort of mo capture job, well, I had a couple that I really liked, um, was De- De- Dead Space, um, in which I played, uh, I think his name was Dr. Kine. You know, and, uh, that was actually where we had to go up to Vancouver and shoot it in an EA, um, um sound stage, you know, which was what they call a volume. And you go in there and again, they have cameras placed everywhere. So they shoot you from 360 degrees and you're in these tights with little dots all over your face and, and over your, uh, body. And, uh, and that, that's almost like doing a play, <laughs> you know, uh, except it's, it's like doing early, Early, almost Grotowski play because Grotowski style theater because there's there's nothing there except you and the actor. So it's it's maybe a couple blocks. So you know it's it's challenging but it's fun. You know it's acting. Um, and then the other time I did motion capture was for um, I did the didact or, or didact sometimes as it's referred to um, in Halo Four. Which was again a, a big volume space, a really big space down in uh, at uh, Raleigh Studios in uh, Manhattan Beach, and and that was a big job. We were there for quite a while, shooting a lot of stuff, and it was kind of cool. I'd look at myself and I'd be, I look really dweeby in my little you know uh, tights and with my reflective little uh, iridescent balls on there and um and then you'd step into this into the volume as they called it and you'd look on the monitor and you'd become a 20 foot tall alien which was was pretty cool you know?
1: and speaking of aliens do you think you'd get typecast to play a lot of aliens because you 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 play a lot of aliens in your career really?
0: <laughs> I, I think I, I played a couple on star trek uh you know, I played the er didact in uh, in uh, in Halo Four, but I think I've kind of run the gamut on you know playing different kinds of types of characters from old seventy two year old men who got younger in Stephen King's The Golden Years to I don't know to Mickey kosmire in uh, in The Equalizer, you know where I was the young guy who jumped through everything and stuck his finger in the fan, as they say. You
1: know. There's a kind of uh Annoy you that the equalizer has kind of fallen into obscurity for the past couple of years?
0: <laughs> well, I'll tell you what annoys me is Denzel Washington yeah. <laughs> doing it. And then my agents approached him saying, you know, Keith was arguably, you know, the second most popular character on that show. Uh, and, uh, is there anything in this forum? And they said, no, we want to distance ourselves as much as possible from the original show, you know, which was kind of disheartening, I have to say. I have a little bit of a chip on my shoulder for Mr. Washington now.
1: Well, I mean, that's kind of the 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 game now, isn't it? Just... Where Hollywood comes in and and you know creates like reimaginings of existing TV shows, but they're just in name only. They don't they have nothing to do with anything original.
0: Uh, yeah, they do that a lot. Although a lot of times, you know, uh, they'll they'll give like the original cast members, you know, some sort of cameo, you know, where they'll like just be part of it somewhere. That's if they're really good people, you
1: know. And um you know speaking of uh, not live action stuff uh, your other most famous role is of course Daniel Holtz on Angel and I want to know how that came about
0: Um I had worked for uh, David Greenwald who is the executive producer of um, um of Angel uh, along with Joss Whedon who was sort of the overall executive producer of the whole Buffy franchise um and I had done a, a show called Profit with him up in Vancouver for Fox which it was one of the best shows I've ever been on. It was so, it was so good. Uh, I, it was way ahead of its time and it was, it was darkly comedic. It was about a guy who was murdering his way up the corporate ladder. And I was the scion of the people who owned, uh, who had founded the company and, and, and owned it, my brother and I. And, um, and Adrian Pasdar played jim prophet who was literally murdering his way up the corporate ladder and uh it, it, the show was just so good it was so advanced it got it got the most incredible reviews it was like embarrassing how good the reviews were when it first came out on april fool's day i think it was and by may 15th uh, fox had canceled it you know so so it goes but uh but david Greenwalt, um called me and asked me if I would be interested in playing this part of Holtz in uh, in, uh, in Angel and I went well yeah sure you know uh, and we sat and we talked and there were you know it wasn't quite clear what the character was going to be other than he was going to be you know a vampire hunter and um and it sort of developed as we talked about it, um, that you know at first we were talking it was going to be maybe more like Van Helsing, you know, and he would have a Dutch or maybe a German accent or something, but you know and then we, we went through all that and then it came to he was he was English and he was from um, you know, it was i used a standard you know british pronunciation, sort of accent standard british pronunciation um because otherwise it would have been t- kind of to do a Yorkie accent, you know a Geordie accent might have been a little uh weird, you know, uh, for American audiences. Uh, but it was, it was, it was one of my favorite parts that I've ever done. I have to say angel. I, uh, Holtz and angel. Uh, I mean, I got to talk with a British accent. I got to wear like dusters and floppy hats. You know, I had to, I got to keep my beard and have long hair. I got to, I had a sword and a crossbow. I got to set people on fire. I got to ride horses. It was so much fun. I, I can't even begin to tell you how much fun it was. You know, I'm just sorry they killed me off.
1: <laughs> cuz uh I think one of my favorite uh moments in the series was uh when Holt kidnaps Connor and, and runs away into another portal to another dimension George, the Kortoff. Yeah. 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 That's uh, you know. And I think you know looking back on that show he was the most developed villain they had, I would say, cuz all the other villains uh, you know, are uh, I, eh.
0: He had Mark. What he what he had was he actually had a really great character arc. I mean they kind of plotted it out from um you know I did 11 episodes that originally was scheduled to do 8 and uh but they ended up expanding it and making it 11 because the character became pretty popular I guess. You know, I was I was always hoping they'd continue me somehow in it, but they didn't. They made me into a 10,000-year-old man at the end, you know, which was fun, but it was again 10 hours of makeup, you know. But I had a good time. As I said,
1: and and were you shocked at how much of a following Angel has?
0: You know, it it I was kind of shocked because I uh, I am brought over to England uh, at least once a year for the last since 2003 uh, to do Angel slash Buffy conventions, which still you know garner enough people to to warrant bringing people like me over, and I think it's, I think it's been great, and at first it was kind of weird, you know, um, because it it was just, I went, this is bizarre, and you know, it was like, you felt like a a rock star, because the first time we did it was at this place, Norbrick Castle, which is up in Blackpool, in the northwest of England, and uh, it's it's, I guess, Outside of when you get into big stadiums, at the time it was the largest venue that could accommodate like three, four thousand, you know, fans. And, uh, you come out and they would cheer you like it was like a rock concert. And it was, I had, I had no idea that this would be like this. And it, it was bizarre to me, but it came as, as, as I went more and more and I became, I actually became friends with Sean Harry who runs, you know, the Star Fruit, and Fury, uh, conventions. Um, it's his company and, uh, we've become good friends, Sean and I, and the people have become sort of like my my extended family, you know, in England and in the British Isles because I've gone pretty where, pretty much everywhere in the British Isles, except the Republic of Ireland doing angel and Buffy conventions, you know, so I've gotten to know England, which I love traveling around, you know, Scotland and Wales and, uh, Northern Ireland, which, uh. Is beautiful, by the way. Um, we did one there in 2004 in Glasgow, not in Glasgow after Glasgow. It was in uh, in Belfast. Um, so I, yeah, it's it was it was kind of uh, it was wild that there was for supernatural. Um, I did a supernatural convention last year in Birmingham again for Sean, uh, and it was uh, astounding to me that it has that big. A fan base, you Cause honestly, before I knew of the show Supernatural, cause I knew, uh, both Jensen and, uh, and Jared, uh, early on, I'd met them, uh, in 2004, 2005, um, because I'd met Daniil Harris on, a, at an angel convention in Glasgow, um, um, she had been there as a, as a guest with, uh, with, uh, another actress, uh, Elizabeth Arnoir, and, uh, i walked up to my hotel room and, and Daniil Harris, who was extraordinarily beautiful, was sitting there cross, cross-legged and in, in the front of my door. And I'm like going, well, hello. <laughs> and we became friendly after that. And it was very, it was, it was lovely. And I got to meet Jensen and Jared at one of their birthdays. And, uh, you know we've uh, and then they brought me onto the show four years ago uh, because a really good friend of mine uh, passed away named Roberta Custer, who is a very good friend of Eugenie Ross lemming, who uh, is married to Brad, uh Bobby singer, uh, who is the um, um, exec- was the executive producer for a number of years on and off of uh of supernatural and they brought me on and it was originally just to do one show but now I've done 8 now and it's been and I don't know I I hope I'm in more you know I know we have one more season left so we'll see
1: and uh how is it you know uh how's it working in the convention scene you know going I don't know like, like going Wait. uh you know going and meeting all the fans and whatnot and all these different places do my
0: photographs. I, a lot of times they have uh, uh, plays or pieces of plays of mine read by the other actors. And it's really fun when we do that. And the audiences love it. They've, uh, they've had, so they've been treated to several pieces that I've written. So it's, it's, uh, it's kind of fun, you know, for me, I like, as I said, I just, I, I, I love it. I don't work the convention circuit. I do not go, to conventions that do they do not ask for me to come to i don't go out and like say oh i'm going to go to this convention in the hopes that i'll make some money you know but i go when i'm invited by the people who are who are doing the conventions and who pay for my way and pay for me to come there and and have an an established sort of credential i just don't go you know i'm not one of those people
1: Not for everybody. Um.
0: It's not, you know, and it, it's, it's not what I do. I'm uh, I'm an actor and a writer and a producer and a director. I'm and I go to conventions because it's enjoyable, you know, not because I'm trying to make money. You know, I'm glad that they pay me, but and I'm glad that I get to make money. But it's more, it's more for the enjoyment of it. Uh, it's not for the need.
1: Mm-hmm. And, uh, what's the most difficult role that you had, that that you would consider your most difficult role, be it voiceover or live action?
0: Um, the most difficult role that I ever did by far was playing, uh, Holland Williams in, uh, Stephen King's The Golden Years because I had 10 hours of makeup every day before I got on the set and then it took an hour and a half to take it off so I would often have 25 hour days and I had lots of dialogue, lots of action, Lots of things that I had to do and it was down there in North Carolina where it's kind of swampy and, uh, and, and, and muggy. And so it was, it, it was a challenge, you know.
1: And, and do you think, do you, do you, you know, you've been in the business for God knows how many years now. Uh, do you ever, do, do you, do you ever think that you've accomplished all you, uh, that, that you all, that you've set out to accomplish as an actor or is there more that you haven't, that you wish you, you, you would, uh, accomplish?
0: There's always more, you know. I mean, my original goal, honestly, when I first got hired by the Organic Theater, my stated goal before I got hired by the Organic Theater was I want to get hired by a really good rep company that does really good work, and that's what I want to do. And I did that for six years, you know, and I've been a member of a, several other theater companies, and I'm artistic director now of uh, a co-artistic director of Ensemble Studio Theater in Los Angeles uh, now, and I have been for the past four and a half years and that's sort of been my goal do i wish do i wish that i had a a, a more extensive you know uh, that i had a tv series that ran longer than 4 years do i wish that i you know was the star of a movie that was really successful you know sometimes you know yeah because it would have made you know things probably easier monetarily and maybe easier to get cast and stuff and things but uh you know um uh, I'm pretty happy with where I've gone. I've done a lot of work. I've gone a lot of places, and uh, there are still places I'd like to go. For a long time, I had my theatrical agent and my travel agent confused, you know, so I would go places based on where 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 it was being shot as opposed to what the job was, you know, which probably hurt me a few times. Um, but I got to go to some interesting places. I still haven't been to Australia or, uh, or the Middle East or Africa, you know, or the Far East. So... Uh, if anybody's out there, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to go there, you know, if you're
1: willing to bring me. And, uh, you know, and, and I know you probably get asked this question a lot, seeing as you were in The Dark Knight, but what was Heath Ledger like?
0: Heath was one of the most creative, kind individuals I've ever met. I mean, he just couldn't have been nicer. And he had a huge load, you know, a huge, uh, you know, his, his character was enormous. and uh, But he just, he never never was a pill. Never had you know flipped out. Never, never was mean. He went out of his way to make me feel comfortable. You know that scene that we did was was uh, was a couple of scenes were were partly improvised. You know, and it just was it just was fun to work with him. You know, and he was just the nicest guy, and it made me terribly sad when he died because it's a it's a terrible loss. Because who knows what he would have done? He was one of the most talented actors I've ever met. You know.
1: Oh, I mean, uh, you know, it's it's it's, you know, it's sad but it is, you know, you know, things kind of, you know, things are kind of weird sometimes like that.
0: Yeah, well, I just say.
1: Yeah. Anyway, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, you know, greatly appreciate it. Thanks for for the chat and and, you know, is there anywhere, uh, is, uh for our listeners listening uh around the world? Is there any where people can find you online?
0: Uh, find me online. Uh, well, I mean, I, I have a website, www.darktail.tv. Uh, but you know, uh, I visit it from time to time, but if you can get messages to me through that, you know, if you want or whatever, you know, or if you want to look and see what, what's, what's on there, there. I usually, I don't keep it very well updated, you know, but it's, it's there. You know, uh, and it gets updated from time to time. Um, so it, as I said, that's it. Otherwise, I'm at, uh, Ensemble Studio Theater Los Angeles, estlosangeles.org, you know, uh, in Atwater Village, Los Angeles, and I'm there a lot.
1: And what's next for you as an actor?
0: Good question. As I said, I'm doing an audiobook series right now. So, uh, uh i just did Matthew McBride's, uh, The End of the Ocean, um, uh, I don't know if you're familiar. His books are great. He, he he had a book that I did earlier called Frank Sinatra in a Blender, which was just psychotically crazy. It was really fun to do. And this one, The End of the Ocean, is um – is about uh drug smuggling in uh, in Bali, so it's a it's a very interesting book. I just finished it last month, so it's a great book and i'm I'm doing this series uh, called the uh, by a man named Joseph Hansen called the David Branstetter mystery series, and it's twelve novellas that are ninety to one hundred and ten pages long each. Uh, I just finished recording the seventh one today. So I have five more to do, and um, it's about a, an insurance investigator in Los Angeles, uh, starting in the late '60s and going into into the into the '80s. Um, I don't know how much, the, the the author died in 2004, so they're but they're only just recording them all now. So it's interesting. They're um they're really good. They're really well written. Um, <laughs> but there's a, a twist that might not appeal to everyone. Um. And that uh, he's this real hardcore hard-bitten, you know, private eye, um, but he's gay, which
1: <laughs> is kind of funny to me. You know. Anyway, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure. And uh, you know, as as always, I you know have... <laughs> As always, if you if you know if you if you ever wanna come on again, you know, doors always open.
0: Well thanks. You yeah. Uh if you ever need me to come on again, let me know.
1: <laughs> you're welcome. All Take right.
0: care. Bye bye. <laughs>